Welcome to Storytelling. When you have a dream or a motivation to do something in life, nobody is going to do it for you. Sometimes it requires you to be completely out of your comfort zone to experience something new in order for you to achieve your goals. Today, I have the pleasure in welcoming an inspirational friend who shares his story of fulfilling his dream. He is a Netflix TV show creator, an ex-financial markets trader and a graduate recruitment expert who has helped thousands of high potential students get top internships and graduate jobs in major corporate firms. He recently featured in Forbes magazine for his TV show, Meet the Adibanjos. Please welcome Andrew Osayemi. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to the podcast. Ah, oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Debbie. Meet the Addy Banjos. Tell me, how did it all start? <laughs> you know what? That's a long and loaded question. It started basically, if, if I was to be completely honest, when I was probably about eight years old. And I tell you, and people think, you know what, this is, Andrew, did you make this up? Is this, you know, your PR story? But it's actually really true because when I was growing up, I grew up in a really religious family. And what that meant for my family is that we didn't actually have a TV. So we never had a TV in our house until I was probably 18 years old. And my mum and dad would be like, the TV's the devil. And they get the devil stuff from the TV. So we didn't have a TV. What I resorted to doing is reading books. So if I was the kid who would probably borrow books, maybe like the max books every week from the library. And these books would transport you into a world way, way, way away from my parents' flat in southeast London. And that transportation, that ability to take someone away was something that I said, you know, one day I want to be able to do that in both book form and TV form. And and I'm lucky to, to be able to have achieved both. So that's where it started, you know, from being a kid, not having TV. And when you don't have a TV, you yearn for something you don't want. And that's, I think, what eventually inspired me to go into TV. You produce a pilot and mm. then you pitched it to mainstream broadcasters. What happened there? Yeah, so it's, it's almost a couple steps back. I'm working in banking, earning really good money. It was probably like a normal day. You know, I get called up to the 11th floor. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to be given a bonus. And then I'm told, Andrew, this is your last day here. And you can't speak to anybody. You have to leave. And I'm like, like what, what do you mean? Like, I'm, I've turned, I, I was a graduate at the company. I've worked hard for the company for the past five, six years. I've gone to New York for the company. You know, I've given my all for the company. But they were like, Andrew, unfortunately, the market has changed. You have to leave. So probably as anyone listening knows, that feeling you get is one of just, first of all, like, oh, my God, like, what am I going to do? Like, this is how I've been treated. This is so unfair. I can't believe I'm just being like, let go like this. And then as the days pass, you start thinking to yourself, like, what are some of the other dreams that I had that I want to do? Like, they gave me a, a really decent payoff. I didn't have to work really for the next nine months. I said, what could I put my hand on you? What have I always wanted to do? And that's where I, I reached back to my youth. And the dream I had was to do a TV show. Luckily, my cousin was a TV producer. 
And we had this concept of showcasing what it was like in our family growing up, but in a fun, comical, stereotypical, sort of sitcom type of way, not being too serious. So we devised this idea and said, you know what, let's do a pilot. So I put, took some of the money I, I'd got as my redundancy and put it into the pilot. And my cousin, she sold her car and she put the money into the pilot. And, and that, voila, and that's how we made our pilot. So just for anyone listening, can you tell us a bit about Meet the Alibanjos? What is it about? Yeah, Meet the Alibanjos is about a clash of two cultures. It tells a story of immigrant parents, so Nigerian parents who come to the UK and um, as students, and then they have two kids. So you have complete class of cultures. You have African-born and raised parents. You have British-born and raised kids. And the whole comedy comes with the parents trying to raise their kids in a very British world. They have African values, but they're trying to raise them, and they're trying to instill those African values and the kids, but the kids are, they're British, you know, they're British. And that's where the comedy comes. And then you just have other characters in there. You have the auntie who lives with them, who never leaves, but is, you know, is a man-eater almost. She's always looking for a, a man, always looking for a husband. Then you have the crazy Pentecostal pastor. But essentially what it is, it's a story around how cultures change and how, as parents, how do you raise your kids? in a changing world. So it almost sounds like a dream success story, but then you try to pitch it to a number of broadcasters and it was rejected. How do you feel about that? Yeah, do you know what? It was, um, and this is probably for anyone listening, where I think what's helped me through my career is, has been the fact that I've been naive. I thought, coming from banking, that you know you just make a pilot, you rock up at a broadcaster, and you say, here's my pilot, pay me money, and you become a millionaire when they make your series. That's really what I thought. I thought it was as easy as that. But looking back at it, I realised, like, I was a nobody. I didn't have a name. I didn't have any reputation. I'd made a pilot which people liked. I mean, we put it on YouTube, and it got, in those days, I think this is 2010, so it got... I think about 50, between 50 and 100,000 views on YouTube, which was everyone was like, oh, my God, that is record-breaking numbers for back then. And this allowed me to get into the room. So I would just send the e- my email with the YouTube video and I would get an instant email saying, come into the office. So I went to the offices of ITV, BBC, Sky, and they were just like, what you've done is amazing. Well done. However, you're nobody. So write scripts, join the queue, basically. Maybe after a few years, as you get more developed as a script writer, maybe we'll work with you. So that's what it was. And, I, and, and me now looking back, I understand that point of view because I had no reputation. But I didn't have three years to wait. I was in the mindset, look, I'm going to do it now. That naivety allowed me to think of what other possibilities could I do to make the series work. So what followed next? You produced a series. How, how did you manage to put it all together? I knew the concept was strong based on the views on YouTube. And then, again, anyone listening, this is my advice I always say around, you know, we've all got ideas. If the audience validates your ideas, at least you know you're onto a winner. I think what stops many people is that 
they have ideas, but they're afraid to put it out there into the into the world. Either that's via podcast, via YouTube or Instagram, you know, because they're scared of rejection. But you yeah. need to put it out there so that people can see, can test it and say, okay, is this a hit? Great. We'll, we'll consume it. If it's not, then you go back to the drawing board. I've been back to the drawing board so many times in my life that I can't even remember. But by me being able to put it out there. So when we put the pilot out there and the fact, the response that it got, the amount of views that it got, I knew that we was onto something, even though the broadcasters weren't willing to do anything with it. I went to like wealthy friends I knew and said, look, people want to see a series. Would you give me the money to fund it? And again, this is me being naive. I thought that if I raise £100,000, I could make a series. Me not knowing that in broadcast TV, a 30-minute sitcom per episode is about half a million pounds. I was looking to make eight for £100,000. But because of, you know, the views backed me up and because I was, you know, persuasive and also because people were like, wow, I'm just prepared to give up banking to go and do this. He's going to put all his energy into it. I was able to raise the money. I remember we went to the studios, professional studios, and they said, okay, it's going to cost you about £100,000 just to rent the studio space. Wow. I'm like, that's, that's our whole budget. Lucky I was able to find a fantastic lady called Jenny Simpson, who runs a production company called Fresh Media. She has loads of work in the community, and she had access to a community centre in Lambeth. And I sat down with her and her husband, Dwayne. First of all, they laughed at the audacity. Then they were like, are you serious? And then they were like, you know what? This story needs to be told. We haven't seen this type of story about a Nigerian family trying to raise their kids in the UK. Give us 24 hours. And then within 24 hours, they called us and said, we will allow you to use the community centre for free. And we will build a makeshift studio in the community centre and leave it to us we'll sort out all the production crew and everything from a nominal amount and that's how we got the show made so what motivated you throughout all of that because you were overcoming obstacle over obstacle and there was certainly some determination and drive in you to actually see it through yeah no it's a really good question you know what I mean I would love to say I mean I'm always strong I'm always on it But what I've been brought up on, and again, this comes to maybe my family being very religious, is a sense of if you give your word to something, you need to follow it through. And I gave my word to those investors. I said, I can make it happen. Obviously, within a couple of weeks, I realized that maybe I was a bit optimistic with what I wanted to do, my ambition. I went back and I said, look, I'm not going to go back to them and say, look, I've failed. I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. So I think it was that commitment to my investors. And anyone listening knows who's done a business before, knows you're going to have some dark times. I mean, I had times when I didn't even want to get out of my bed. I'm like, you know, how am I literally going to get this show made? You made this happen and you managed to successfully distribute the show yourself right across sub-Saharan Africa. How did that feel when you managed to see your show on air? Do you know what? It was weird. It was a very weird feeling because 
I never saw it on air. This is an interesting thing because it's in territories that I don't live in. So mm. I never saw it on an air. But it was only until, and, and I remember, and you can imagine, I'm an individual, like, who's doing really well for, like, their parents are looking at me, they're proud of me. My son works in the investment bank. He's earning loads of money. And then I go to them and say, like, the thing that they think is the devil, I want to be a producer in that industry. So you, yeah. can imagine the, you can imagine the disappointment they had. But it was, it was when my mum called me and said to me, Andrew, I'm getting phone calls from Nigeria that am I related to someone called Andrew or Siamian? And I'm like, like, why are they asking you that? No, they're saying that they're, they're watching something on TV that is amazing, but they, they see the surname. Is he related to you in any way? That was how I found out the, the impact and success of the show, that people were calling my mum all the way from Nigeria, trying to find out if she was related to this person they saw at the end of the credits. And that's when I was like, wow, this is big. And then coupled with that is when we decided, like, you know, let's do a theatre production. So we're still desperately trying to make money. In all of this, we still hadn't made no money. We distributed it. We had it recouped. Like, you know, this was still, like, let's build awareness. And then so we decided, okay, let's do a theatre production. So we we do a theatre production in Catford Broadway Theatre. And you know, meet meet the Adabanjos live. Like we turn up, and I think the theatre holds about, I think about 800, 800 or thousand people, and it's like packed. It's packed. Like we go and they do this the theatre performance, and then they ask at the end, you know, producers to come on stage, stand innovation, and then again I look at my mom and dad who's sitting in the front row. And I just see like almost like tears of joy and they're like, wow, wow. Yeah, that's when I knew, wow, this 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 means something to people. And then now the show is available on Netflix. How did that come about? Yeah, so Netflix was a situation of just building the show's popularity over the years. It got to a stage where the only time we ever went for investment was in season one. And season two and season three was basically TV stations across Africa pre-buying the show based on because it was so popular that they would give us money up front, which is completely unusual. When I when I tell this story to execs in BBC and, and, and Sky have called me to be a consultant to understand how did you pre-sell a show and fund it that way? Normally, you need a, the local TV station to, to fund or commission your show, and then you do sales. But we actually pre-sold the show, got paid in advance, and they used that money to make the production and then sold it or licensed it to those, to those people who had, who had pre-bought the show. So again, based on the popularity, that allowed us to make over 50 episodes of the show. And then... It's just through, just like I tell people about just giving, you know, you got to give to get. So I was just trying to help as many people as possible. And I remember being called, literally called up by a friend who works in a private equity firm and private equity companies, they buy, you know, they spend millions and millions of pounds buying companies, trying to turn them around and sell them. And he called me up and he said, Andrew, I want to buy a production company. 
And I'm like, well, my prayers have been answered. I've been doing this for eight years. He finally wants to buy my production company. So I was celebrating. And he was like, Andrew, I'm not talking about your production company. I want to buy a production company. I was like, here we go again, from excitement to disaster or disappointment. And he said to me, and do you know any production company in East Africa you would recommend? And naturally, the hater in, in someone will be like, if, I'm, if my production company is not being bought, why should I recommend another production company? But, you know, my parents raised me better than that. And like I said, then they raised me to keep giving. So I'd only met this woman once in Nairobi. She had one of the biggest studios in Nairobi. I recommended her production company. They flew out to Nairobi. They met with her. That woman never forgot what I did. And fast forward two years later, I see on LinkedIn that she's joined Netflix. And I'm thinking, should I send her a message? Should I not send her a message? I get the courage to send her a message on LinkedIn saying, hey, Sanju, remember me? Is there any way you can introduce me to someone? And she replies straight away saying, Andrew, for you, you helped me when you didn't need to. I'm here to help. And that's ultimately how I was able to negotiate directly with Netflix, again, which is very unusual. And yeah, be able to license my show to Netflix. That's quite an amazing story. Basically, determination, perseverance and helping others is what helped this show to become successful. Yeah, that's it. The question I get asked all the time, what kept you, like say, you say you're just, you keep, persevering like you know people tell me like I'm doing projects I keep persevering and I'm not getting anywhere when should I throw it in and I say to them look you need to have at least some goals or some milestones that you can hit where you can say even if it's not going succeeding in this way it's succeeding in another way so for us we weren't getting the deals but we were getting the the views and exposure like we would the show was growing so those milestones is what kept us going. You know, we weren't able to get the big BBC deals, but we were able to pre-sell it to get a new season going. So what next for Meet the Eddie Banjos? I just leave it in God's hands, to be perfectly honest. We kind of left the season three on a cliffhanger. They're like, are you going to do a new season four? If the deal was right, absolutely. Some people want us to do a spin-off movie. I'm like, again, if things bounce back from COVID, I'm happy to have those those conversations. But for now, you know, I'm just really proud of being able to make something that's millions of people watch. What's more encouraging is that it's bringing families together. I had so many people send me messages that, look, my kids are watching this. I can't believe it. They're, they're laughing at all these cringy jokes. <laughs> that's right. Um, but like the, again, it's a new generation is finding it and watching it, which is fantastic to me. So, you know, how, how many times you go through life, you know, so many people go through life and, you know, you don't impact anything. So the fact that I've been able to influence and have an impact in something I didn't even like, you know, 10 years ago, I would have would never have imagined that I'd have even done anything related to that is something that I, I will ever be thankful for. I'm proud for. That's absolutely amazing. Andrew Osiemi, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure. Nobody said that fulfilling your dreams would be easy. 
However, I hope you have been inspired by Andrew's story to pursue your own dreams and goals. Please support Andrew by watching his show on Netflix, Meet the Addie Banjos. <laughs>